0: Welcome to Chad and Steve have a podcast, an unfiltered, unedited conversation examining YouTube culture and video content creation and a bunch of other stuff. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Steve's fancy hair, ooh la di da, Paris Hilton and the camera gear that we use to make our videos. So without further ado, let's get started. Chad, how you doing?
1: I'm doing very well, Steve. How are you doing? <laughs>
0: Good. For anybody listening to this, we've just been fooling around with the audio for I don't know, the past 10 or 15 minutes or something, but I, I think that we're, we're, this is our first more professional podcast, don't you think? Because we're, we're using an actual audio recording rather than Zoom. We, we met with Tim, Tim Schmoyer, and he told us you don't use, no, don't use the yeah. Zoom audio.
1: Yeah. It's horrible. It only took seven episodes. We recorded <laughs> some in like three bit. Uh, nice. I don't even know what three bit is, but I, I'm sure it sounds mono. Yeah. Uh, what did he akin it to? He said, it, that's kind of like an AM radio. Or right. no, that's like it's like listening to someone through a, a telephone. So apologies to everyone who have listened to the first seven episodes I know. through a telephone.
0: Well, you know, and I'll be uploading those or posting those online this week, hopefully, so everybody will see those. And then I'll, I'll mention it also. Well, the ones on, on YouTube sound pretty good. I think the ones on YouTube sound okay. The audio, I don't know, maybe it's just different
1: there i have you- yet to watch anything on youtube which claims to be high definition or high quality or whatever and it actually sound different than just listening to whatever yeah. the whatever video that i do like some random lyric video for a song seems to sound the same as i i guess maybe if you're listening to it very very um like if it's super loud maybe that would make a difference but
0: no. I kind of have this feeling, it's like the, these audiophiles who are always telling you that like, oh, you got to get vinyl records because the sound quality is so warm and natural. I'm like, I guess, sort of. But I, I think the average person, you know, you listen to music and you're not really going to know the difference.
1: They opened an audiophile store years ago <clears throat> um, uh, where I lived and me and my brother went because my brother's a bit of an audiophile. And we went and they had like one pair of speakers in the entire store. Well, they had a few, but they had literally like maybe 10 pairs of speakers in the entire store. And they had a big couch and a big screen. And that was basically the entire store. And you went in and you sat down and then they would just kind of pick different uh, speakers for you to listen to. And I remember they were like, $25,000 $25,000 for a pair of speakers and they didn't play a movie. They didn't play music. They played like sound effects. It was like the sound of a door opening and closing and then like footsteps walking and you could hear it in its end. And da, da, da. And we both looked at each other and we're like, we just want, you know, um, die hard to be a little louder and hear the <laughs> explosions and maybe have a subwoofer. It's like twenty three thousand dollars, and they're listening to people walking away from them. But, but you hear the clarity of how they're walking away, Chad. You <laughs> hear how clear and crisp. Right. You hear how it's being amplified through the five one surround system. It's quite funny. I don't think I'll uh, at, at any time be spending twenty thousand dollars on a pair of speakers.
0: That's kind of crazy. Hey, I, I got I love so. We got our new little channel, or I, I keep saying channel, but it's a podcast. It's not really a channel, is it? A channel? It's a. Do
1: we refer to this as a? Yeah, no, I mean, I, if you're on a YouTube channel, showing, it is. It's the, on the, the on YouTube YouTube channel of the podcast.
0: So we got our little av- our avatars, our little cartoon representations of ourselves that you you had done. And, and, and my first response when I saw those is that doesn't look anything like us. And then as I started looking at it more and more, I thought. It does kind of look like me. This little cartoon. And then I showed it to, I showed it to a friend of mine, and she was like, "I said this doesn't look anything like me, does it?" And she looked at it, and she said, "Yeah, that's pretty close. That's not too bad." And I thought, really, because it's so minimal. I was so
1: impressed. And I I remember saying this to you earlier, I I chose this particular person uh, who is in Italy. I think it was because they were literally just line drawings. Everybody does the cartoon style, the classic cartoon style. And that's what we kind of, or at least I want, I initially wanted. And then I saw this, I'm like, I'd be interesting to see if just like the one line, the one subtle line, which is, yeah. you know, outlining my nose, my beautiful 3D complex nose on my very unique face. And this person, one little crooked line is like, yeah, that, that's my nose. I looked at your hair and I'm like, man, how do you like th- three little lines and <laughs> like that's Steve's hair.
0: Uh, it looks so fancy. My hair looks really fancy.
1: The thing that I do appreciate <laughs> is she gave me no gray hair.
0: I, I know they were I have
1: beautiful old. brown hair and I haven't had beautiful brown hair for a very long
0: time. But. Well, see, I have, but mine's unnatural. I it, my, I have to get mine done every month, you know, otherwise it would be fully gray. I started going gray when I was like 30. It was around one time my son was born. I started going gray. I got married shortly after I uh, met
1: Melissa. Uh, we, <laughs> we, we often bring up that, uh, I went gray, uh, after Melissa. Um, But yeah, I was uh, I was a young, vibrant, brown haired boy. And then I met Melissa
0: Maker. And, um, you know, I know. I get it professionally done now. I'm like, I'm like, no, I don't think I I don't really want gray. I'm just gonna get colored. And so once a while, you... my, my stylist does it. And she does a good job. She does it like this blended color where it doesn't look like this, you know, like the, right. the just for men packet that you put and it's just black. Yes. You know, so it's like it still has gray in it. And then when it starts to grow out, it, it looks more natural. You don't get that like solid line of gray. Sometimes it, it varies. Usually the first couple days is kind of harsh, but then it it'll tone down and it looks pretty natural.
1: Have you used a just for men product? Have you like bent no. over the, the bathtub with the towel and the whatnot? I have
0: not because I've seen just too many horrible usually I can see a guy and I'm like, oh wow, that's really a bad dye job, you know. And I, I know, and I have a feeling it's and maybe I'm sure there's guys who can do it right, but I just I would rather have a professional do it. <laughs> Uh, my father
1: did it himself and he used to do it in the bathtub and then yeah. uh, it, he would be done with it. And for like five weeks later, the black marks all in, he like dyed the bathtub as well. Plus, I mean, this was the eighties. This was a time I'm sure the technology, I'm sure it literally just was paint that you were rubbing, <laughs> paint flex that you're rubbing into your hair. I'm sure the technology is amazing now and it's a, it's a lot, no, you know easier to maybe do but yeah it used to put a towel and hunch over and rub Mm -hmm. it in and then it used to look so so black there was no variance like you said like there's no blending you (laughs) one day are gray and the next day you show up to work you just have like jet black hair there's no subtlety
0: once in a once in a while somebody will come i'll get it done especially if i if i wait like during during the lockdown something would take me longer to get it colored but i would have to uh, and so when i would get colored once in a while somebody will there's there's like this one guy who's obsessed with my hair for some reason It's like the only reason he watches my my show is just so he can comment on my hair he's
1: watching right now and i bet you he's
0: typing a comment about your hair yeah and he's always like, well, you do that. Well, and it's just, uh, I'm like, a lot of people color their hair. It's not, I mean, if, if you want to make yourself, uh, change your appearance and look better, you want to do things for yourself. I mean, I lift weights so that I look and feel better. I shave because I like doing that. You know, I, I take, I clean myself. All of these things are just things that we do to just kind of make ourselves feel better. I'm not really doing it for anybody else. And it does make me I feel better just knowing that it's not gray. And I had gray hair for a long time. Even on my earlier videos, my hair was all gray. But gray in
1: your goatee, didn't you? I mean, I that's did, where it yeah. came for me first. I had this well, little pad grow here.
0: you will in, in about a month ago. I, I thought, oh, you know, I'll try growing a beard again and see how that goes. And then I shaved it off. I don't it's just not I don't like it. It just makes me feel old because it's just all gray. Mm. And then as soon as I think that Thing people can do to make themselves look younger is first thing is shave the beard. I think yes. beards always make people look older. And that can work in your favor if you're young and you want to look older. I used to every high school. Did you have a kid in your high school? Like who could like have a full yeah. beard? Everybody so I grew connected. the one.
1: I grew the one where you could grow kind of like long lamb chop uh sideburns and then like a little kind of pencil mustache and then a little bit of tear and nothing connected. It was all separate. kind of continents on my face. Uh, And then I find it took me years. I went through all of high school trying to rock a beard and just, you know, those little pathetic mustaches. But there was one, uh, one kid in our school, his name was Gareth. And man, grade nine, he showed up. It was his first day. It was his first day, and he hopped on the bus and he had a full blown beard in grade nine.
0: Don't you it's hate like, that? Man, look at that. And
1: people would go up and just touch it. Can't <laughs> and, then there was,
0: and there was always so every high school had like the one guy who was like going bald too. We had a guy who was like almost yeah. completely bald. Yeah. So sorry yeah. about that guy. And you feel for those people because
1: there's no, you have this full head of hair or at the time in high school, I had a long hair. I used to rock a ponytail yeah. and whatnot. So it's kind of hard to be like, Hey, I, I feel you, man. It must suck to be receding. It's like, well, no, now no. I think
0: everybody would just, it would just shave it completely. It would just be a common thing to do. I think.
1: love rocking the bald look now i mean it's so so yeah normal i mean people without uh without receding hairlines like the bald look have you ever been bald
0: no no i've been i've shaved i haven't shaved i've cut my hair super short but like buzz cut maybe kind of a buzz cut yeah maybe five six years ago maybe longer than that in some of my videos and i didn't like that look either and this is the longest my hair has been you know i can't believe we're just talking about hair on this it's been podcast.
1: Ten minutes of talking about our
0: hair. Oh, I know what I wanted to mention to you is uh, you know, documentaries are like everybody documentaries are huge right now. I just yes. I don't know why, but I, I think we all just kind of get drawn into that. But have you seen This Is Paris or have you heard about This Is no. Paris?
1: No, but I heard about it and I was interested because she she is kind of one of those characters, Paris Hilton, I'm assuming
0: yeah it's Paris Hilton and you know I know I'd never known much about Paris Hilton other than kind of tangentially what's going on with her and they, you know you always hear people that would say we oh, don't she's just famous for being famous and what does she actually yeah, yeah. do and, and all and this documentary just uh, kind of shows the real who she really is and it's way different than you actually think she is and she was really and she even kind of a. Uh, owns up to the fact that she was kind of the original social media influencer she, she was taking like selfies you know in 2002 or something yes. and and you know with a camera right? no yeah. phone or anything and she talks about like everything she talks about she was doing is what young people especially are doing today except in much greater numbers and she's like i was I was kind of impressed by her, really, and I never knew this side, that this is all, everything you thought you knew about Paris Hilton is really, it's just a character that she she plays, like this, this ditzy character who's, uh, you know, uh, just totally out of touch with regular people and everything, but even just to hear her speak in this documentary and like use her regular voice that I didn't realize she had. You always hear like this mousy little childlike voice that she does. And that's just, she just constantly referring to her brand and that everything she does is basically on brand for her. And as a result of that, it's very difficult for her to form relationships. She can't like really get trust anybody. And She doesn't have any time to herself she has no privacy and uh, i just thought it was it was enlightening to see that and to see that this kind of abuse that she went through as a teenager is her her parents sent her to this like uh uh, it's it's one of these like tough love places you know where they send you to camp but it was more than that i mean they were like physically abusing these kids and you know she escaped from a number of those and now she's involved in this group of basically survivors of this and trying to tell the story of how all of that affected her life. But it it was just, I don't know, it was just one of those documentaries that comes along that you're like, i you know, it's a kind of a buzz going around about it. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. I'll watch it. And I was just totally drawn into it. And then by the end of it, I had a totally, totally different idea of who paris hilton was and it's not what i was thinking and it just kind of helps kind of shows how a lot of our opinions on people in the media are formed by this this mass you think you know think
1: Uh, you think you know
0: yeah i don't know she
1: she went through uh she went through and did all of this at a time that she became like the the whipping post for everyone who hated who hated that because a it was so new and there's, it's funny because there's several examples of this. I've been thinking about this a while. Like, I get it that we live in 2020 now and everything's upside down. But even over the, like, the past 10 years, so much has changed in the way that um, uh, the acceptance of, of all of this stuff that we were just talking about, she was doing it at a time that she was the only one. She was a billionaire uh, um, like Not from, quite. From, a, from an incredibly <laughs> what rich of, family. So One of her goals
0: is she wants to be a billionaire.
1: Yes. And she, I mean, she's from the Hilton family. So she started her entire career as Rich Brad. And then she did. Um, she was one of the first to do a true reality show with uh, oh, what's her name? The other girl that she used to hang around with all the time.
0: You mean the Simple Life? Simple Life. Right. Yeah. That was
1: very, very early on in the whole like push for like kind of reality stars and whatnot and as you said she was kind of the first person to be that Kim Kardashian famous Mm -hmm. for being famous or famous for just like uh, clearly you're a rich you know you're from Mm -hmm. a rich family and you live it up and and she I I I don't know if it was her or if it was someone who was interviewing her, who literally called her pretty much the, not the inventor of the selfie, obviously everybody's taking pictures of themselves, but she popularized it in a way where like, that's what we look at as a selfie these days was what she was doing back in those days. And uh, you, as much like, especially because it was a reality show that was, was, uh, that she was on and she was using her name and it clearly was a character of her it was difficult because people had no basis for understanding that like most people kind of have a character when you have a YouTube channel or data, even in your own name, like it's, it's a version of you, but it is still a character that you're putting up and you're being kind of whatever. And I, I can see how people would look at that and just hate her and hate everything about her. I was thinking of Miley Cyrus earlier, where she was swinging from the wrecking ball and she went through her kind of like slutty stage, if you will, and being very provocative and and showing nudity and whatnot. And at the time she was the, 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 the punchline of every single person's joke. And so many people spoofed and whatnot. But man, it's amazing what 10 years will do when you look back. I, I remember going through and watching it and being like, this is brilliant. It's wonderful how she's just completely changed her thing. And now she's like pushing buttons and being, and she's getting huge uh, success out of it. Um, but everybody just kind of leaned into her. And then ten years later, then is when they go back and be like, remember how groundbreaking it was when she did the swinging from the wrecking ball and she managed to launch an entire career after being a child star and being the son of a country in western. And she kept forging and and breaking through and changing and 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 still having people talk about her and whatnot. And it's funny how when you go through that, you uh, I think of John Cena going through an entire ten year, or 15-year career of, of being a peak wrestler and being the person who like personifies, it doesn't matter if you cheer me, it doesn't matter if you boo me, just come and make a reaction and building that. And we all thought we knew who John Cena was when he was a wrestler and da da da, da. But now, again, 10 or 15 years later, you look back at John Cena it's like, oh, one of the most important wrestlers of the time. No one said that back in the day. Yeah. It's always this 2020 hindsight of people who do like really you know, interesting, different things like that. And I think Paris Hilton's a great example because she was literally just rich brat. Who cares about her? <laughs> and I have seen several interviews with her. So I do kind of know a little bit about like her as a person. It's like, no, she's incredibly charitable. Um, and yeah, she's she seems to be using her platform for a lot of good too.
0: Yeah, and she, I think what, what happens in a lot of these cases, and Miley Cyrus is a good example. Justin Bieber is another good example. Yeah, he's a great of, example. They become we we tend to love to have this kind of group think where it's, it's okay to kind of like hate on somebody. Like this is the one person who's like, yeah, that sucks. And nobody would admit to liking Miley Cyrus or Justin yeah. Bieber. But if you're objective, and if you listen to like Justin Bieber, like he's very talented and Miley Cyrus is too. And they didn't get that place from not being talented. And what they do is they're, they're really good at what they do. And I don't think a lot of people would be... I don't know if it's strong enough or to admit it or whatever, but they just won't come out and admit that, well, okay, you know, I may not like some of this persona that they're doing, but like they're doing, there's pretty talented. And with Paris Hilton, she's got like 17 companies that, that are brands <laughs> that she runs. And I mean, this is a multi-million-dollar operation. Yeah. She's, she's traveling like 250 days a year. She's doing all, she's a DJ. I didn't know she was a DJ and she she's performs DJ. in these huge, you know, mm-hmm. huge, huge venues and she can she can command like a million dollars per gig just DJing. I mean, it's amazing and she never wears, she said she's never worn the same clothes twice in a, you know, for, she's never been photographed twice in the same set of clothes, always. She changes clothes like three times a day, you know, because she probably doesn't even buy her own clothes because these designers are always- Just send them to her the things. But I was just surprised at how kind of- she, how much she's got it together as a business person really Mm -hmm. and she kind of really knows what's going on but at the same time I really felt sorry for her because in some ways she reminds me of Michael Jackson and how she's like at that level I mean Paris Hilton is a person that everybody knows that's like that kind of celebrity You you don't even have to know much about her but to know who she is but she can't just go out and do normal things. And she has real trouble struggling just trying to find relationships and boyfriends. And, you know, they were asking her, "Well, do you think you're ever going to have kids? And you could tell she was like, I would like to, but no, I don't think, you know, I kind of reading between the yeah. lines was like, this is yeah. something that can't really happen with her. Yeah. And she's always talking about her brand and how everything she does is based on her brand and she'll start to slip in and out of that kind of squeaky voice that she would use and you could tell when it's like a nervous situation maybe she's in she kind of goes into that character and then Mm -hmm. to just hear her talking normally but she she mentioned that when she was young how she grew up being photographed I mean from her early on her father was always shooting video and they were always doing this and I think wow this is Real similar to what we see on YouTube now with a lot of these family vloggers. These kids are growing up in front of a camera shooting video of them every single day of their lives.
1: Yeah. I was at Walmart the other day and I saw a toy from Ryan's World, I think it's called, or it used to be Ryan Toy Review or Ryan's Toy Review. Anyways, yeah. 10 million subs. We probably know. Uh, I remember through ClamorCon, actually, I don't remember who, who it was that I was talking to, but... Um, his toy line at the kind of the peak of his career, I guess it was a few years ago. <laughs> Funny talking about a 10 year old who had the peak of their career a few years ago. That's sad. <laughs> um, but uh, like that was, you know, kind of uh, clearly when he was in a sweet spot, I remember like his videos always used to trend and, and all of the rest. And uh, it, he apparently was the second or the third biggest toy, uh, 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 toy sales business. Full stop, like at Walmart. So it was like Mattel, Hasbro, and then whatever the the Ryan's toy review Mm -hmm. line was, and it was mind blowing to be like, oh my gosh, you went, (laughs) you went from just kind of having this. Anyways, I was I was at Walmart and I saw it's called Ryan's World now, and there's a picture of him on there. But now Ryan's older. Ryan's kind of out of that. You know, he kind of is starting to look like yeah, you're a little too old to be on. You know the packages of the toys, and that must be a, a tough position to be in, where you're changing or or like you're growing and 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 all of the rest, uh, and your success is based upon you being at a you know a very very particular age. And I thought about it because he's he's a kid, like he he understands what this is like now, and he's going to go through the next few years of his life with that change and people just naturally wanting to move on from him and his audience growing older and maybe not wanting to still kind of stick around with him and whatnot. And it just got me thinking, and, and I guess that's kind of what we've been talking about in, in a roundabout way is how you kind of either reinvent yourself or try to figure out how to how to um, know when to end something. Paris Hilton's a great example of like kind of getting away from that, stepping clearly into more of an entrepreneur role or a business role, or I know she does a lot of philanthropy stuff and whatnot. Um, but there comes that time where it, uh, it's time to grow and kind of like move on and, and do something else. And that, um, that trips a lot of people up. Cause you see a lot of people still doing the same thing that kind of made the famous. And then you see a person like Miley Cyrus, where it's like, grow, grow, try something new, try something different, challenge myself to whatever. And, um, it's funny. Cause we, like we as a society take it out on these people, cause they're being the martyrs. Um, but after a while you're standing, aren't you? You're standing, you're done sitting. <laughs> I was hoping for you. To-
0: <laughs> I can't sit for very long. I get too, I get too fidgety.
1: This was this was this wasn't being recorded, so we were actually having a conversation about sitting and standing desks. I have a <laughs> sitting and standing desk, which I keep in the city position ninety five percent of the time. And I found out, and I didn't know this, that Steve stands
0: one hundred percent of the I time, all the time. I've got the when I I built the new desk uh, a few years ago, and I got one of those. Sit stand desks and it raises up, sets down, and and I thought, well, it'll be interesting once in a while. I'll try to stand, and now it's just up all the time. I never, ever sit down at my desk anymore. In fact, when once in a while my son will put it down when he's he's using my computer for whatever you know, he needs to use some Photoshop or something, and then I'll come to it and it'll be there, and I'll try sitting, and it it feels really awkward. I I just can't I can't do it anymore. I enjoy sitting and or I enjoy standing, and then more. I think the more we learn about how much damage sitting does to our spines yes. and our bodies, it's just good to just, you know, relieve that even if you do sit and have to sit at a desk, you should really be getting up every 30 minutes and doing just, even if it's just like a 60 seconds of stretching for your back and try to realign your spine is, is really important. Otherwise we all and we're all hunched over looking at phones these days. And it's, it's hard for you'll see more and more bad posture arising. I've been trying to fix my posture over the past, you know, a couple of years and just trying to keep myself tall. I've been
1: trying to fix my posture since I was born, because as a tall person, uh, and yeah. I know this from other tall people you, you you feel very tall in the world so you naturally kind of uh, it was when having conversations when being around people you naturally kind of yeah. bring yourself down to eye level with them um so I always sit or stand with a kind of a bit of a hunch or like sometimes I'll see a picture of me standing it's like I'm, I'm, I'm hunched over or whatnot and it's tough because you don't think about it and then I bought one of those um things off of amazon it's like a back brace mm. and you you put one arm in and you put the other arm in and it's super tight so it keeps your arm you know, <laughs> your shoulders back and i wore it for like three days straight and i was like this is great and then i took it off and I had like red marks all no, over no. me and i was yeah and it really really hurt and um uh, it just didn't feel natural. So I moved on from that, but I have found out that there are um, people uh, specialized doctors, obviously who, I mean, chiropractors, I'm sure also do it, but there are specialized doctors who kind of help you with your, your right. posture, uh, perhaps something for me to do because it's, yeah it's really tough and it's, and, and it's real and that's why I like sitting down because I end up feeling yeah. <laughs> much more kind of like in the world when I'm sitting as opposed to standing and kind of looking over everything or at least well, that's how
0: I remember feels. I remember my grandfather when I was a kid or I was like a teen and he would he would like a uh, pow and you're like tap the, my back and he'd say pull your shoulders back you know and I I I never really understood exactly what he meant but I, I and recently I've kind of understand really what uh, having a better posture means it's not just pulling your shoulders back it's sort of pulling them back and then down at the same time and thinking of your head as being on like a string like a like a marionette or something that's pulling your spine up and that your your core your stomach is always pulled in you know towards your back you're trying to pull your belly button in so I'm always kind of consciously aware. and standing really helps that to be to keep that tight those tight abs as much as i don't have those six packs you know but i i try to keep that that tight now god that's like the worst thing for me is that i can i've lost i lost 30 pounds you know and i, I was like i i'm pretty happy with everything except those love handles and for guys that's the last thing it's the you, toughest one it's the toughest one because everything that's just where those fat reserves just store and i don't know if i'll ever be able to get rid of it and you can't spot reduce you know you just you know
1: I, <laughs> uh, uh, recently I got a Peloton and I really like mm-hmm. it. And, uh, they do, um, uh, just outside of the bike stuff, they do a whole bunch of other, just full, full on workout stuff if you want to do it. So I, I was doing some stuff, um, and, uh, uh, they were talking about exactly that, how, uh, a good posture, uh, especially, especially when working out, um, can, uh, uh like, change your breathing
0: mm-hmm. uh
1: it's it's actually also psychologically uh you end up being more more assertive and and Definitely. confident in one it is such a i mean i guess that's why they're like you know pull it back and put your chin up and walk with a whatever like there apparently is some actual science behind all of that Definitely. it's high time that i actually do that because i i do want a six pack at some point i think i could do it <laughs> i to i want to yeah. like bucket list it even if it's just for one day i'll work as hard as it is to have it for one day take a bunch of pictures for instagram and then just go back to cheeseburgers but i would <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping, I'm hoping to like get to the point and and sorry, ultimately we were talking about spot training. So I uh, was going through and it's like, same thing with me, love handles and a little bit of a gut, but everything else, like people look at me and they're like, well, you're, you're skinny. And I guess I am. I consider myself skinny fat. Like I'm, I'm skinny enough to be able to like Suck everything in and walk mm-hmm. with a certain posture to be like that guy's skinny, but like when you see me sitting on a couch and not like paying attention to anything, it's like that guy is not skinny. So, um, uh, I, I, so I was like, okay, well, I, I'm not worried about anything else because I don't need to lose any weight anywhere else, so I'm just gonna target. I'm just
0: gonna
1: <laughs> I went on YouTube and I went on the internet, and yeah. it's so crazy how no one there's a lot of people who just will not tell you that, and they'll be like, oh, I want to. You want to burn off your things, do yeah. this exercise and do this. And then I came across one video on YouTube. I don't remember the dude's name. He had a fairly substantial following and he looked like a very kind of fit guy. And he's like, let me just tell you something. He's like, it is impossible just to like do an exercise, which just targets fat in a particular area. Right. And I remember feeling really silly after learning that. Cause I was like, yeah, I guess that really makes sense. It's not like I'm doing push-ups and it's like, yeah, go ahead. You know, <laughs> Uh, six pack, this is this is how I do it. Uh, even though push-ups don't do something like that. But sit-ups, sit-ups don't. Like as much as you're working your abdominal muscles, you're not gonna be able to see them no matter how muscular they are if they're still surrounded by fat. Right. So, that's true. That's that's
0: the rub. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um one of the things I wanted to ask you about, um, because and I put it on the thing.
0: Oh, yeah, wow. we've got a thing. I, You we know, I really think we've started. <laughs> we've started at, thing. we've got at. like a couple of Google Docs going that we're sharing of, you know, we like brainstorm things like here's things that w- might be worth talking about. But I think what's cool about this is that we don't discuss these things we want to talk about until we're actually talking about them. So that everything that we talk about is kind of like fresh, you know, we're organic, yeah, we're not like, hey, we're going to talk about YouTube channel growth. Let's let's spend an hour talking about it. And then we'll make the podcast talking about it. We actually tried that when we, we did our first attempt, our first go around at the podcast last year. And we would have like almost, I wouldn't say it was a rehearsal, but we would talk about what we wanted to talk about. And we had these great discussions. And then when we get to the actual recording of the podcast, it just felt really weird. We like, had nothing. Wait, we'd already just talked about this. It felt like I'm just repeating myself.
1: Uh, Melissa watched one of the episodes of the podcast for the first time and uh, she was impressed. She was like, Steve did a great job. You did okay, Chad. The only problem is you drink far too much Coke zero and you're like hiccuping and burping throughout the thing. So I'm going to do my best after this can to not have uh, any fizzy drinks (laughs) during a podcast. (laughs) I didn't even think about that. So I apologize to everybody who's like, man, would he stop drinking fizzy drinks and... Hiccup thing, burping. Um, the thing that I wanted to ask you about was uh, actually equipment related. And the reason why it's equipment related is because I just picked up brand new camera. And this is the Ooh. first time we have upgraded our equipment here at Clean My Space in a very very long time, and it took a very substantial camera to get us there. Um, but I have never, I don't think, ever asked you what camera. Do you use to record your videos?
0: I have the Canon T three I four. Is that a
1: T three I? That must be. Keep talking, Chad. I will keep talking. That's got to be a few years old. This is the... my favorite camera.
0: Oh no, the, I'm I'm right way off. This is the T7 T seven I. Wow, you have upgraded quite a few times since then. No, only Was once. T? Was three? That I think was the first t- one. I, no, this is my second one. I think I skipped. I was, I, I think the T3 or something. And then I, I upgraded. There was a to, T5,
1: yeah. I think. And now there's a T7. When did you get that one?
0: Oh, I've had this probably for maybe five, four or five years now. Probably. Bet. And you
1: have the the big road mic on top that's a very Casey naystat looking Yeah,
0: I, mic. I love having this cuz I don't want to wear around a lav mic. I don't I just don't want to even do that. And I, I like the sound of this because it it captures the echoey sound in my shop. It captures the the birds, tra- traffic going by. All of that stuff kind of adds to the feel of my videos and I like that I don't have that TV quality sound yes. on them, yes. and and it sounds good when you're within when near within six feet of this microphone. It really picks up voice as well, and it it captures the the deep in. I have two lenses on this camera. This is the one that uh, the one. No, I don't remember which one it came with, but I've got the uh, zoom, which is eighty to two hundred, which mm-hmm. I use for real close up shots that I need to do with my hands, you know, fiddling with something. But this one is my 10 to 18 millimeter. and What a great lens. This is the one I use for almost probably 80% of the time I use this one because that, and I use it at that 10 millimeter wide angle. And that way I can set it up. I can reach it while looking at myself in it because the camera has this forward facing yeah, you know, monitor so I can see how it, it, it's all set up. And it, the this camera, these DSLRs like this have so many features to them, and I never use any of them. Really, I use <laughs> the most basic. I use the auto white balance. I use auto focus to focus on myself, and then I lock it in so it doesn't do that focus trying to find me if you're moving around. You know, yep. focus back and forth thing, which
1: is so annoying to watch. Attention, every YouTuber who does the auto autofocus <laughs> follow around and then it'll catch an orange in the background and they'll just focus on that and you're out of eh. right
0: oh i think it's a it's a good camera to have and that um oh and then the auto exposure to i will i find that there's an exposure meter at the bottom of the frame and i'll kind of go by that but really just looking at that little monitor and seeing what it looks like is perfect it it works great and I'll because sometimes that that meter will be off depending on how dark a scene is in a certain spot that I don't want it to be dark or or the opposite and so I just do it visually what looks bright, and that's almost always works great but again I'm also in the type of I've also kind of set my channel up with that sort of expectation i guess yeah, that's the, not that's the best the, quality it's all i all i need to do is just really get information out there and and people like that more than any fancy camera where I joked one time that I was going to get a drone, you know, everybody for a long time, everybody had to have a drone shot for everything. And I thought it would be funny to just have a drone inside of my workshop, you know, just <laughs> hovering like five, five feet above me.
1: <laughs> oh, I, I got, one. got the drone. <laughs> and Melissa and, just looked at me. She's like, what? Like a toilet? Like you could just big dramatic zoom out of a toilet. What are you going to do with your drone? <laughs> well, you know what it is? Space?
0: Like every drone shot I see now is like, oh boy, more rooftops of houses. Hey, look. There's your suburban (laughs) neighborhood. Yay.
1: Yeah, with some lo-fi beats over it. Yeah, oh, that's good. (laughs) Yeah, never seen lo-fi beats in aerial footage of New York City.
0: Lo-fi hip-hop beats to study slash relax by.
1: Okay, so I'm guilty, by the way. Uh, A, I want to start a channel of my own. Uh, But instead of it being animated, it's literally just a shot of me at the desk actually working for three
0: hours (laughs) and then
1: just play whatever music uh, I wanted to do. We had our first, uh, when we got married, uh, a wedding gift from uh, Melissa's sister was uh, the T3i. And we were using just like a regular and shoot up to that point. And I mean, this was very, very early on. Um, And then we got the T3i and that was the whole like, oh, now we can actually kind of properly do this. And it was, I think I just used whatever the stock lens was at the time, whatever came with it. Uh, but it had the little flip out screen and yeah. uh, 1080p and it was super clear. And I remember just feeling like I'm, we are on top of the world. We ran with the T3i for a good long time until we moved to a 5D, which is like a full frame version. So like the T's are kind of crop sensors. So they're a little smaller and this is like a full frame camera. So well, what, the, does that,
0: what does that mean? I don't really understand what a full frame means.
1: So it's uh, it's literally the size of the 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 sensor and the amount of information that it can take up. This frame right here would be, you know, classified as a crop frame if I were to set up a camera and it were to be the T3i and I were to, you know, set it so that this was the frame. If, uh, if we were to use a full frame camera with the exact same lens set up in the exact same place, you're gonna probably get an extra 30% of the frame outside mm-hmm. of this in the exact same way. More information, the, the file uh, sizes are larger, allows you to kind of punch in a little bit better because the quality is a little bit. It's very uh, minute. The only reason why I ended up going with a 5D uh, was because at the time, the show house with Hugh Laurie, mm-hmm. Uh, they, for like an actual you know, television show, a proper television show, whenever they just needed small cameras to sit inside of a car or just catch, a, capture a second angle, I found out that they use these because the quality is so good that they can put it up against their red cameras or whatever the fancy cameras that they use for the actual show. And no one would really be able to tell the difference. So I was fascinated by that. Uh, and we used the 5D for many, many years. Uh, and then we moved up to the 5D Mark III, which was fantastic. But the issue with them is they don't have pop-out lenses. They're yeah, big, old, clunky. They have very expensive lenses and... Mm-hmm. they that's, themselves are very expensive
0: to me that pop-up monitor with that's a deal breaker if it doesn't if i can't see myself i can't because i shoot everything on my own i don't have anybody else shooting it you know
1: and that's it we have a monitor so we have a monitor that you can plop on top and flip around and be able to see but monitors especially back in the day used to be like 720p if you were lucky and that'd be like 800 dollars for a monitor versus just having a little flip screen. But uh, indeed, that was the reason why we went with this. This is, I think, one of the first full frame cameras. I could be completely wrong here. One of the first full frame cameras with this cool little flip out lens. It has touchscreen, which is really nice. And it also has like the uh, Wi-Fi so I can just take the files off of the camera if I wanted to. Um, And it has an credible sensor and all of that other good stuff Uh, but it's 4k and it's 4k Mm. 60 frames per second so the next time someone watches melissa cleaning a toilet it's no 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 longer is it 1080p 30 frames per second no 4k 60 frames per second and actually there's a uh, 120 frame per second option available so you can get like that really crisp super slow motion
0: Have you ever so, shot any any of your videos in in twenty four frames and just try to get that cinematic look for any reason whatsoever?
1: That's what uh, so uh, the person who shoots with us and has shot with us for many, many years, Luke, uh, who's the executive producer here at Clean My Space, he is a sucker, a traditionalist for twenty four frames per second. So pretty much all of the videos that we've shot over the past however many years have been twenty four oh, frames. Oh
0: really. Per oh okay.
1: Yeah, It's just a personal thing with him. I've always wanted to get up to 60 frames because I just love the crisp, clear. I remember seeing something in 60 frames per second for the first time. I'm just like, that's incredible. Look how crisp and detailed and everything is. And
0: Well, you know, there was a, a movie that came out last year. Gosh, I can't remember the name of it. Action movie. I think it, it might have had Jamie Foxx or... No, i can't remember who was in it but it was a uh, feature movie that was uh, all shot in 60 i think it was 60 frames per mm-hmm. second and they got kind of some backlash from that people were like it doesn't it looks too much like a video game it yeah. doesn't look good and it doesn't look like what we want to see in a in a feature movie
1: i remember just seeing it for the first time and just something seemed like it was different you couldn't quite I couldn't quite put my finger on why it looked Mm -hmm. different, but it did. It looked like, I remember kept, uh, I I kept using the analogy of it looks like a home video. It looks like, right. It doesn't look like a TV show anymore. It doesn't have that glow or warmth to it. I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for. Like it doesn't have that softness. Everything is incredibly sharp and incredibly clear. And just uh, movement is so fluid. It's like, I'm literally looking at the person kind of doing these things. You get less, kind of blur like that and stuff like that. So,
0: yeah. Hey, what kind of audio do you use? What kind of microphone? Uh, You've got that. We do,
1: we use, so these are Sennheiser mic packs again. So with lighting, Uh, I'm a fan of sunlight. I'm a fan yeah. of just shooting with whatever light is available. And if something's really, really dark, bring in a light. We just bought some basic light panels and didn't invest a whole lot into lighting. One of the things very, very early on that we decided, uh, was getting really good mics. Um, mm-hmm. simply cause we just wanted the audio quality to be really good. And Melissa used to, well, she still does, uh, does a lot of uh, television work. And we realized every time she would go on a show to do television, they would hook her up to one of these Sennheiser yeah. mics and it was always this exact same mic pack. And I was like, wow. And then, um, uh, fast forward a few years, uh, uh later, uh, we bought like a really cheap uh, lab set. I think it was like a audio technica, $200 little kind of thing. It just sounded horrible and you could hear the crackle between the receiver and the transmitter and whatnot upgraded to these they were kind of expensive but we've been using them ever since and uh love the sound the only downfall and i think that's what you were pointing out was every single time you want to fire up a video it's not just like set it forget it and let's get into it it's like let's put a laugh mic and sometimes it's hard to be doing a more casual video and someone sees a mic because it just has a formal kind of appearance to it if that makes sense so we also do have uh, that same road mic that you do so if we're doing like a vlog or something like that yeah yeah
0: yeah. I, I have i find that uh i rarely have people comment about poor quality sound on my videos and and uh it's just i think it's just because people know what they're getting into with this video they're watching it for different reasons and they know what's not and you know it's the same with the lighting too and and i i've you know mentioned this a number of times that i've just been using totally natural lighting over these past five or six months. And I've got just tons of lighting in my shop because it's for me, it was really important to have everything really brightly lit. And not just for the video, but for woodworking itself. And if I'm still working on something really detailed, I'll, I'll turn all the lights on. And mm-hmm. or if I or if I'm just not getting enough light, usually when I have to turn them on is when my garage door is open and the sunlight in the afternoon is shining in too brightly, and it's just too right. much contrast. Yeah. And so it's yeah. just I have to have something to even out that light a little bit. But I'm totally a fan of just using natural lighting when possible, especially with the modern cameras, DSLRs, the, you can crank that ISO up and it's, it's pretty darn good. I mean, I, I regularly shoot at 1600 ISO. And when I was, I went to photography school, I got a degree in commercial photography, and that was back when we were shooting on film. And it was like the goal was almost always to try to shoot on 100 ISO film. So you would get a sharp yeah. image. And if you went up to even 400 ISO, it was like, well, you're going to be getting a little bit of grain on that. I hope you like that look. You know, and a lot of times it looked great, but those were kind of the benchmarks. And now, and if I'm shooting like in the house, I've got to shoot something. Sometimes I'll just crank it up to whatever the highest, like 10,000 or something, and it looks fine for YouTube. Uh, the
1: uh, the Canon R6, just in case uh, anybody was uh, wondering what camera I was talking about earlier, um, goes up to a hundred and twelve thousand, <laughs> and I think if you put like Magic Lantern or you can trick it out to actually get two hundred and fifty thousand ISO. I remember watching a video that someone shot in it was in like the mountains. It was in the wilderness. So there was no <clears throat> there was no um, artificial light. It was just a pitch black and it was when the sony a7 first came out a few years ago and that iso could go all the way up to like a hundred and twelve thousand he's like i want to show you what that looks like he went out into the middle of nowhere it was a youtuber named dave dugdale and he went out into the middle of nowhere in washington or something like that he set up a camera on a tripod and he just sat in a chair and he's like this is a hundred iso and then he kept switching it up 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 and he got to whatever it was on the camera i think it was a hundred thousand or something ridiculous an incredibly high number And it looked like it was just like the sun was just going down. It was like a little dusky and there was no grain. There was no further to your point. And that's the thing. Like, I think we remember 10 years ago shooting at, I remember doing a shoot with like a proper production company. And they're like, we do not want to see your ISO above 400 at all. And it needs to be a hundred. And if we need to bring in more light, we'll literally hire, you know, we'll start a fire in the corner just to get the right light, as opposed to doing it in camera settings. And I guess I get that. You, you certainly don't want grainy footage and all of the rest. But I, further to your first point, love just natural light. I love the shadows it creates. Mm-hmm. I like it when you do have natural dark spots because it just has such a... don't know a a natural a natural vibe to just using light the way it should be as opposed to artificial light when you start getting you know you start worrying about t-zones and shadows under your eyes and it's like that's what i want
0: (laughs) and you you think about the intended use youtube also you know it's it's kind of built on the foundation of amateur you know productions people just doing it themselves and it, it kind of lends itself to that i mean obviously if I was going to be shooting what I do for, you know, television production, it would be totally different than I do. It wouldn't. And and people wouldn't want to see this on television the way I shoot it here, because the expectations are totally different on, on those two formats. It's a completely different beast. And I see what i've noticed lately though in the last couple of years is youtube videos looking a lot more like tv really especially in the how-to videos they're they're really coming to resemble a lot of tv and not just in the visual look but in the way they're presented the yeah. pacing of them the music score the the corny dialogue the back and yeah. forth stuff um, a lot of that it, and i i kind of thought for a while youtube was going to have more of an influence on tv but it it seems to kind of be tv's really working its way into youtube more and more i think the glamour of of it all is the thing that is hard
1: like i i think as soon as you can have it looking amazing people just opt to make it look yeah. amazing but that was i think what your point is the most appealing thing was back in the day was like this isn't that this isn't that at all. This is just someone sitting and setting up a camera and having a thing and trying something different and not worrying about, we talked about Zach Johnson in a previous, like here's a dude who can afford probably great props and and excellent, but like there's something so wonderfully like organic about doing it without like budget, but we now work and we've also talked about this in a previous podcast. We now have people starting channels on YouTube because it's a business, or they want to build a brand, or it's it, there's there's another reason outside of I started yeah. at least, and I know you started because we wanted to, like, hey, yeah. what a cool thing! Like, let's fool around on this and see what happens. And our what eventually became our businesses and livelihood was grown out of um, was grown out of a passion for wanting to do you yeah. know, to do it in the first place. Uh-huh. And it wasn't to build up, clean my space into a huge thing and sell cleaning. But like, that's wonderful that it's gotten this way, but that's now the attitude coming out of the gate. And I find that that's probably the biggest obstacle that most new channels face. It's like, but I have a great camera and I put up a thing and I've worked with other people who have been trying to start channels and consulted with them and da da da. And it's very tough to just tell them. It's like, you, you need your idea to be like, amazing because it's now not hard to have all of your stuff look professional because everybody's stuff looks professional moms who are cleaning their house are cleaning them with a thousand dollar dslr cameras and proper mic setups and amazing like like it's a thing now so it's not just like hey let's upload some videos and kind of see what happens people now kind of approach this platform as like cool let's make sure everything looks amazing that's very tv
0: I think and I hope that YouTube will retain kind of that dual aspect of what it it can be, that it can still be the guy who shoots a, a really dumb cat video that goes viral, and it can be the more professional productions. I know that like a lot of the streaming platforms now, well, they all, you know, they have their own original programming, you know, the Netflix originals and the Amazon originals. And now, well, like the uh, this is paris the documentary that was it's a youtube original so it's a is that
1: a youtube original yeah
0: so and that's the first time i i'm sure it's happened before but that's the first time i noticed youtube original so it's almost like that is becoming like they're trying to do what the other streaming services are doing and produce their own you know full-length productions like that and you know It's just one of those things that kind of like, eh, well, I guess. But it's also, as long as YouTube can have both, I'm okay with that. As long as you can still find that guy, you know, working out of his shop and doing (laughs) and doing cool videos, and I think YouTube knows that. I think they know that really they're they're bread and butter for a lot. Of their existence relies on just those goofy videos that people do or these silly channels devoted to one specific topic you know that somebody's just producing on a whim and i think it'll still maintain that but the reality of it is that it probably all started with all these late night talk show hosts you know yeah. well that that you know. i mean
1: a lot yeah but that was a lot of finger pointing and there was a period uh, i don't even remember how many years ago it was uh that they started uh bringing in traditional celebrities and giving them yeah youtube channels it actually failed miserably the first time they did it they, they tried to give robin Will- robin williams they I tried to, to to get on board and he ended up doing a, a guest spot on ray william johnson's equals 10 mm-hmm. show or whatever it was he's like yeah i got my own da, da da and that was in and around time they brought on about a dozen celebrities or, or whoever um, to like <clears throat> start up their own channel and a lot of people uh, believe that that was kind of the beginning of the the this slide into and the late night talk show house is a great example because those dudes were occupying the trendings it's, it's hard to it's hard to get it's hard to get boosted or, or like you know uh, uh, to get some traction through YouTube when the stuff that they're promoting is literally just you know all the clips from the from the uh from the late shows or music videos is a huge one or just this small group of like dude perfects and 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 you know all of those people who have massive huge productions and teams and da 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 and as much as i think yes they do still have a space for smaller youtubers um that is not this that that has changed i think just with the overall culture of youtube not still having that like, ah shucks, yeah. like we're just giving it a go. I think those days are, I think it still exists. Clearly, of course, it still exists, because there's a bunch of kids that are building amazing ideas and amazing channels, which are unique. And, that, and I have complete faith in that. I just hate that the stuff that's really popularized on YouTube now, as you said earlier, is just, it looks, it looks a lot like TV. It looks like a well, lot like a streaming service.
0: YouTube, YouTube is, you know, it's a, it's a teenager now. So it's kind of losing its innocence, <laughs> I suppose. And you know, one of the things I always enjoy doing on kind of older channels is going to their video list and, you know, clicking on oldest video and seeing what the very first video was i think it's just such a fun thing to do and if you already come into this with your production all fully done then there you know you don't really want to do that i would never do that for like a late night talk show host or something there would be no reason to do that but it's real fun to see some of these you know og youtubers from 2006 or 2007 and just see where they started and, and where they are now or some of them some of them got really big and then they just stopped or they, they moved on to other moved
1: things. on to other things. There's a lot of people that, and perhaps this is a great topic for the, uh, the next podcast. Yeah. We could go through and we could actually do, uh, we could watch each of our first videos or at least whatever, briefly uh, <laughs> kind of take a spin through and see what each of us, uh, or at Grinch least uh, Melissa and you did. Yeah, that would be a bit of a cringe fest um uh and maybe also talk about some youtubers along the way i i can think of quite a few uh who you know had large followings and and have moved on to greener pastures for one reason or another
0: we all Um, want to know what happened to fred
1: what happened to Fred Figglehorn?
0: <laughs> Fred Figglehorn, right. Fred Figglehorn. Lucas, Figgle, Lu- Lucas uh, his real name Lucas, was Lucas Cru- Cruikshank or something. He uh,
1: actually, a few years ago, I did a channel. I think it was just called Lucas. And he right, like, yeah. interviewed his friends. And I think yeah. he kind of like whatever got some traction for a bit i haven't seen anything since um yeah there's there's a lot of youtube ogs that maybe we uh we could go and do a little research and find out where are they now
0: how old are we (laughs) how old are we (laughs) we remember you know what's weird is that you know there's kids watching youtube now that probably weren't around even alive when fred was doing those videos there is a whole, like, it I would mean, be like 12 year old kids, you know, because he was probably doing those in 2008, I'll bet, 2009. I remember yeah. he was just the first YouTuber to hit a million subscribers, and it, it, that was huge.
1: And he got such traction. And I remember watching the content and even with the most open mind possible, being like, <laughs> I don't
0: get what, I mean, I get that oh, kids, I get why kids like I it. I didn't. But... Oh man, my son loved it. Him and his Oh really? They loved it. They were, he was like, yeah, like 10, 12 years old at the time or something. And they just, and it just is this Fred with this high pitched, sped up voice screaming. And it was just, I didn't get it. They loved it. Wasn't wasn't I, me. It wasn't for me. I
1: guess it wasn't for us, was it, Steve? <laughs> <laughs>
0: wasn't for a couple of middle-aged dudes. No, no definitely not. Yeah. Well, I think we're gonna have to wrap this one up. I've got some guys coming over today. In fact, I think I hear voices outside my door right now. Where uh, they're gonna come remodel our bathroom. So this has been That's an exactly. ongoing thing. We started this process like almost two years ago trying to get this thing done it's very difficult to get all the designer the yep contractors yeah. the permitting it's just it's a long process so finally it's starting but now we're going to be living in one bathroom for a while how long is
1: it expected to take is it a full gut or are you just like yeah, everything just out and everything new in new
0: completely brand spanking new so yeah have you picked all of your stuff yet yeah we've got i've got the actual cabinets and everything they're in a storage unit right now and so it's uh i'm just i'll be glad when this is all over because it's been taking a long time
1: uh are you going to build anything for this or is this all just store-bought stuff
0: No, I mean, all of the cabinets and everything are, we've already, we've already bought. And there was, that was actually, it's, it's one of those things that is kind of like, well, why aren't you doing it yourself? If you're a woodworker, it's like, well, that's not really what I want my channel focus to be on. It's just like cabinet making for a bathroom, you know, makeover. And I just think that this, that's the kind of thing that professionals do better because they do it all the time and they know exactly right. that the pitfalls to face. Whereas me, almost everything I make is the first time I've made it, you know, I, I don't typically need two dining tables or three or more. Right. you know, so it's like, well, this <laughs> is when I... And they're hard to
1: mail to friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you need a dining table, Chad?
0: <laughs> <laughs> really, Hey, how are the um, how, are, how are the mop sales going? Real quick before I go, uh, uh,
1: outstanding. They've uh, so obviously you get kind of that initial boost and then it yeah. kind of trails off and then you kind of start really losing traction. But we've been plateauing at a very good um, spot that we're very happy with.
0: Good for you. Uh, And
1: we're just about to start getting proactive with some Instagram ads and da da da. So I've been studying. I've been studying a lot about Instagram ads and the little short videos and trying to capture people's attention and. Uh, I, in a later podcast, will let you know how successful or not (laughs) successful I am. But no, as far as the mob sales are concerned, it's been a it's been a hit. People, people absolutely love it. So we're, we're, we're psyched about that.
0: Happy to hear that.
1: We'll go get your bathroom started. I, I uh, I, I have a person coming as well because my furnace doesn't work. So he's going to fix the furnace. Um, before the winter, before we freeze to death out here (laughs) in chilly Canada. Um, So I will go do that. You go tend to your bathroom and we will talk in, uh,
0: in one week. Okay. I'll see you then. Bye. Sounds good. Bye.